Welcome to the Trade Table on SIN 90.7 for all you need to know about the trade and free agency period powered by AFL-TRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at the trade table. Hello and it's a pleasure to have your company once again on the trade table powered by AFL-TRDON coming to you live on SIN 90.7 FM. It's an exciting day for us all as the trade period officially opens for 2017. We have a massive show lined up for you to back up yesterday's amazing debut, and today we'll be covering the news of the day, in particular Jackson Trengove, speculated and likely trades, a bit of a free agency analysis, and we're also going to be introducing a new segment today called Club in Focus, where we'll be talking about the Brisbane Lions and everything that they need to, be, to do to prepare for next season. And finally, we'll be finishing off with Think on Our Feet. But firstly, I'm going to introduce a few new co-hosts, and that begins with Billy. How are you? Hey Sam, I'm good mate. I'm excited for the show. We've got a lot lined up today and uh, I'm ready to get into it. And now you'll be meeting somewhat regulars now, Dylan? Yeah, hey Sam. Really keen to uh, continue on from yesterday. And Harp, I know you're going to have to, I know you're very excited for the Brisbane part, but how are you? Yeah, good mate. Just building up slowly. Seems like we're <laughs> going to uh, building up to a nice trade period coming up. And we're going to begin with news of the day. And there's been a couple of big, big news stories coming out of the day today. And the first one is Jackson Trengove. He's officially become a dog. Three years and I think about $2 million. So that's a really good deal for him. And Port will be, giving, will be given a second round th- pick, 30, as compensation. And Kane Corns, also in news from Adelaide, has reported that Adelaide are coming hard for Stephen Motlop. With the Crows and Port now in the running for the Geelong Speedstar, with the Crows reportedly throwing quite a lot of cash at him. Luke Hodges officially requested a move to Brisbane and is now up to contract negotiations. Alan Richardson has been contracted until 2020 and the deal is set to be announced tomorrow at the St Kilda Best and Ferris Night. Tom Rockler's paperwork will be lodged in the coming days, according to his manager. And his manager has also said that Duncan will be staying at the Cats and in no way will be part of the Gary Ablett deal. And uh, in the last hour, we've also heard that Ben Brown has signed on at North Melbourne until 2020. And maybe some of the most surprising news of today is that Jack Watts will meet with Geelong this afternoon. What out of that catches your eye, Ben? Harp, sorry. Uh, yeah, Trengove. It's it was you know it was pretty um, shorter. It was probably a shorter price odds than um, than Winks to get that done. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a probably a win-win for both. Um, he wasn't in their best 22 towards the end of the year. Um, Port get pick 30, so could find a good player out of that. But I think the Dogs can use him in a um, defensive in a defensive role. Could work for both clubs. What do you think, boys? Well, he's got a he's got a point to prove uh, that next year with the Dogs after being dropped for that elimination final. Um, he wants to show his worth to the AFL and the the wider community again. Uh, I think he'll be a really handy addition for them. I think. Look, I think he has to play defence. Um, he's going to rotate into that ruck uh, because of the ruck, do- ruck stocks at the Dogs um, not having a permanent ruck. But um, I think with their key posts up forward, I think with Cloak, um, Tom Boyd and big big Red, big Jack Redpath, I think uh, he fits in nicely into that back line as a bit of a utility. Yeah, for sure, Billy. We're actually going to talk quite a lot in depth about Jack Trengove in the next segment. But I want to hear your boys' thoughts on Stephen Motlop. Adelaide kind of out of nowhere have sort of become, you know, a bit of a contender for this one. Um, Dill, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I love it. I think, um, you know, Motlop gets a lot of stick from a lot of people because, you know, he doesn't always reach the potential that he should, but when he's on song, you know, he's one of the best players in the league. He's quick and he can sort of take on that Charlie Cameron role a little bit. Um, I think, you know, Adelaide get, you know, a really good deal out of this. Yeah, it's a good fit, isn't it? Um, it makes sense. I mean, I've heard Lee Matthews 
speak with a player like Motlop. I mean, he's, he's much maligned because of his inconsistency. Um, but you always prefer to have a player like Motlop and what he can do on your side than playing against you. You hate when you come up against Motlop when he's on. Like Motlop in the final series was huge. You really hate coming up against those sort of players. And he may have some inconsistency, um, but his final series was huge. And he's, it makes sense. They, they're going to lose Charlie Cameron. Um, it just it seems like a good move by Adelaide. Yeah, and if they're going to lose Motloff, it is a relief for Geelong because uh, Duncan has confirmed he'll be staying at the Cats. Is that a big win for them? Certainly, no. He, there's no way. I mean, there's been some sort of trade whispers that the Gold Coast would be interested, but if if you're Geelong, there's no way you're giving up your second best in Ferris from last night. Um, he's going nowhere if I'm Chris Scott. And now, Tom Rockliffe's paperwork, as we mentioned before, is set to be lodged, and he's going to go to Port Adelaide. With Even though Motlop might be going, is probably going to go to Adelaide, um, there is talk that he's going to go to Port. Rockliffe to Port. Is Port becoming a bit of a destination club, do you think? Well, history says yes, but um, I'm, I've got question marks over the Rockliffe trade, to be honest. I think... Um, oh, really? Yeah, we spoke about it yesterday, but I think with their inside midfielders, Wines, um, Pal Pepper... Two absolutely unbelievably good midfielders, but they're both young, and they're adding Rocky into that mix. Um, they'd want to be contending for the flag because it doesn't set them up for the future very well, I don't think. And um, I think bringing in someone like Rocky in their stage of their development, I don't see Port challenging, um, and I think it might set them back a little bit for Why the not? future. Why not? Look, I think outside of Adelaide, they're just not good enough, and I think... Um, They've shown this year they lost to just that uh, middle-tier teams outside of their home, like Melbourne, and uh, they're just... I don't think that they have what they need to challenge for September. I think the way they play... I sort of disagree, but I think the way they play is conducive to anywhere. I mean, they're sort of a, an anywhere, anytime type player. He is... Rockcliffe is a lot of the same as what we were talking about yesterday. Um, a lot of the same as what they have in those inside midfielders, but he can go forward as well. He's dangerous. I, I, I really like Port for next year. I'd, I, to be honest, I'd be surprised for the, if they weren't uh, in the top four. Yeah, so you don't think that will change from from last season, that they will keep uh, you know struggling against top eight teams? Obviously, Tom Rockliffe's one of the has been one of the premier inside midfielders in the last five years of the competition, but... Um, I don't think Port Adelaide are in a position, even with Tom Rockliffe, to challenge those top-tier teams. I think they'll continue to do the same old, same old, and I think they'll make the finals, definitely. Um, they'll, they'll beat up the poorer teams at home, but uh, when it comes to September, they're not good enough. They were poor against the top eight teams last year, but yeah. yeah I don't see that changing, but... Yeah. yeah, now Rockcliffe, uh, the Rock, Rock, Rockcliffe loss is a pretty big one for Brisbane, but they are going to get Luke Hodge. We expect. Uh, do you think that's? Do you think that's a comparable? I know they're different kind of players, Dylan, but do you think that sort of just stabilizes Brisbane a little bit more in this development phase? I think that you need someone like Hodge. Uh, Brisbane have such a young team, um, and someone like Luke Hodge, who has been around for you know years, he's won you know so many premierships, uh, and he's been you know such a phenomenal player. Um, I think it can really help. We saw it with Jordan Lewis going to Melbourne and Sam Mitchell going to West Coast, and you can tell that the experience is, you know, you can't, you know, match it. And it helps him also transition to maybe a coaching role um, that maybe wasn't there at Hawthorne. I think it's, you know, a great move. Um, They were sort of saying, you know, there's been rumours that he may not play every single game because he wasn't as good uh, last year or whatever, but I think, you know, it really does help the Hawks. Uh, Sorry, the Lions. That's perfect, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't even have to play every all 22 games. They might look after him, just play, look, say... 
Luke, mate, we don't need you to play every two, 22 games. Just play 16, 18. He might play more, you never know. But Alex Withered and um, Nick Robertson, even even an experienced player like Daniel Rich will walk taller with Luke Hodge down there. It's, it's mm. perfect. Chris Fagan knows him extremely well. Um, he would know what Hodge can bring to the team. And yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect for him. I think, yeah. And we're going to actually discuss this in quite a bit more detail later when we get to Brisbane. But I think, you know, you look at their defensive, their key defensive players, Harris Andrews, Dan McStay, they looked a little bit, a little bit lost, a little bit lacking for leadership. There's no real experienced defender in that back line. And Hodge, he's not, probably, he's not going to take, he's not going to play a key position role like those two will, but he's just going to provide a bit more stability, a bit more experience in that role. Um, and so I think that's a really good thing for him. We've said um, before, and we saw it last year, you know, with through Channel 7 and then following Hodge on field, he's such an on-field leader and, you know, he directs the troops and that. And I think Brisbane needs someone like that to really show the youngest, the youngsters, you know, sort of where to go and like what to do mm. and I think also going on for that him being a natural leader this kind of this two year deal that they're talking about where he actually play, where he plays only for a year and then goes into a coaching role I think is actually going to be really good for him as well so I think all around there's probably a couple of wins in that deal now Ben Brown re-signed early this afternoon he's on till 2020 for a team that's going to be we think it's going to be quite quiet during the uh, trade period how much do you reckon this is going to be a morale booster for the club Bill? Well he's their best player from last year in my opinion um, oh, he was just an absolute must-keep for North and uh, everything they stand for, everything they will do in the future, they need Ben Brown firing and um, I think, yeah, that was that. They needed to get it over and done with and they've done it um, and hopefully we'll see North actually get involved in the period. I know all the fans want them to. We keep on getting the questions through Facebook but, uh, yeah, it's, it's yet to be seen, I guess. Uh, haven't we all fallen in love with Ben Brown over the last year? When he first came on the scene, he had this big, long run-up, this big, huge hair. We didn't know if he could play, but what a year he had. He, he was a must-keep. After after not landing Darcy, not landing Kelly, losing Ben Brown, it never really was a chance, but the fact that they've so- have locked it away, absolutely must must for North. We're uh, seeing a bit more of a resurgence of the uh, young forwards, aren't we? I mean, we look at like Jesse Hogan, everyone's raving on about, got Joey Danaher, um, and now Ben Brown as well. I mean, he's a guy that can seriously lead that club, you know, uh, forward and, you know, getting his signatures a huge deal for them. So, yeah, as I agree with these two boys, you know, great move by North. Yep, and that kind of concludes our sort of trade, I mean, our news analysis for today. We're going to talk a little bit more about Jack Watts later as well. But we're going to go back to the main story of today, and that was the first signing of the trade period, and that was Jackson Tranko. If he's going from Port Adelaide to the Western Bulldogs on a three-year deal, he's 27 years old, played 153 games since his debut in 2010, and he's kicked 30 goals in that time, 17 of which were this year as he kind of moved a bit more forward up the ground. But he's still essentially a utility. And the main factor for him leaving was really that opportunity after being dropped for the elimination final, um, something unfairly. Um, where do you boys think he's going to fit into this Bulldogs team? Yeah, he goes, yeah, he certainly goes probably um, in any team, he'd probably go to sort of a centre half back. But I mean, I don't mind the Bulldogs' um, back stocks. He, he was, I, I see him fitting in, but, um, you know, he might be taking games off of oh, like a. Well, Fletcher Roberts will still get a game, but yeah, I don't know. He might, he may be taking games off of younger players, but I think he fits into a halfback nicely. Yeah, so he's been he's been used quite a lot, um, even as a forward ruck, as a ref, um, and as a ruck or a defender kind of combination. Do you still think that um, the Bulldogs require a second ruckman and a defender? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, their sort of ruck stocks were a little bit lacking last year. Uh, they had Tom Boyd who can ruck. They have Tom, uh, Tim English who can ruck. 
Um, but I think having someone like Trent Grove to actually, you know, get through that and rotate would be really uh, beneficial for them. You know, he's a quality player, and uh, I think, you know, this is a really good pickup for the Dogs. Look, it, it seems to be a conscious decision from Beveridge to um, not go into games without a solo ruck or, a, you know, a cruiser type, a Gorn type, a rider type, etc. Um, and it won him, won him a premiership that year. Um, I think teams worked it out a little bit last year, and um, so that's the question mark. He's uh, obviously Trengove's not a not a sole ruck by any means, um, but he will fill that void. But will teams adjust to that um, uh, centre bounce uh, setup that the dogs run with? I'm not sure, but uh, he'll definitely be a handy addition. Now, Nick DeSanto today on SEN has claimed that for Trengove's move to be successful, he has to play defence. Um, Dylan, do you do you agree with him on that one? You de- definitely think he's a defender. Don't think it has to be. I don't think he has to play defence, but I think it definitely helps. I think it's one of those positions. You know, we've seen him play forward at um, Port, but I think you know, as a defender, he will, as um, Hart will say, he could take a few games off some of the youngsters. But he's a quality player, um, and you know, you keep him defence and then rotate him in the ruck. I think it works probably the best. I think yeah, I think Luke Beveridge will be hoping, really hoping that he doesn't have to play him in the ruck. I think he'll be hoping that. It, he can back Jordan Rufford in. We talked a little bit about Jordan Rufford yesterday. He's a good player. Um, so I think Luke Beveridge will be sitting there th- not thinking, we've got Jackson Chengove, so um, another option to go in the ruck. I think he'd be sitting there thinking, well, we've, we've really shored up our defensive stocks here. Who's the second ruck, though? Because yeah. um, obviously Rufford's not a player to ruck the full game like a, like a Max Gorn. Uh, so who do you see? Do you see... Tom Boyd well, is that Well, Tom ruck? Boyd played his best footy in the ruck. In that mm. final series, he went into the ruck and um, Jordan Rufford went down towards the end. And Tom Boyd's played his best footy in the ruck. He's not... I mean, he, he was drafted as a full forward, but from what we've seen from his three years, he, he, he isn't just a full forward. He is a, he is a forward ruck. So I think, I think Tom Boyd, if he plays his best footy, um, which, which usually has been in the ruck, I think, I think he works as a second ruck. Yeah. And... In return, Port Adelaide are going to get pick 30 in compensation. Do you think that's reasonable? We were discussing before we went on air, we were thinking a late second round, early third round kind of pick. Do you think that he's worth the pick 30 or do you reckon he's worth higher? Billy? No, I think that's about right. Look, he's he's uh, he's not a star by any means, but he's, he's proven that he's a quality player over many years. Um, he's 27, he's had a lot of experience. Um, and I think the key to it is, is that flexibility factor, uh, as mm-hmm. we're talking about. He can play in the ruck, even even though it may not be the plan A. Uh, he can play forward, even though it may not be plan A, and he can play in the back line. So it really adds some depth to the Dogs team, and I think that's a that's a fair deal for both sides. For, 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 someone, for someone who wasn't in his side's best 22 in the elimination file, I mean, I think Port would be quietly happy with that. Yeah, I agree with that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just talking about compensation quickly, um, we discussed... Uh, quickly yesterday, Jake Lever as well. And Lee Matthews has come out today and said that he's worth a first round, if not the first pick in the draft. After seeing Jackson Trengo go for pick 30 uh, and Lever's performance, especially in that grand final, in a, in a word, fellas, yes or no, is he worth first round draft pick, especially in the pick number one? Billy? He's not worth the first pick, but he is definitely worth, I think, Melbourne will have to pay... Um, I think Melbourne will have to pay two really high picks for him. I think he is just uh, going to be an all-Australian type player for the next ten years. He's he's so young and he's so good already. And um, as a 
as a Melbourne supporter, I um, I'm willing to I'm willing to just do anything to get him to my team. Yeah, look, I think um, it's an interesting one because he's so young and he's only had what a few years of AFL footy, but as Billy said, he's su- he's got such potential. He's such a good player, um, and I, the the D's want him. He's sort of that missing piece in the defence. So I think they're going to push for that earlier pick. It's a big call to say. It's a, obviously a massive call to say someone's worth a number one pick. But it really, I think it depends on who the buyer is. If I'm Melbourne, I'm probably mm-hmm. not giving up pick one um, because if that's um, if that's the bear, if they have to give up pick one, then they say, well, no, we're happy with what we've got. But there are, I mean, there would be teams out there, I think, um, yeah. who would be potentially willing, willing to pay pick one. But yeah, look, if I'm Melbourne, even though they don't have pick one, um, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be paying pick one. Definitely not. Yeah, no, I think if he's, he looks like he's going to come to a Melbourne club, you'd be looking at kind of maybe pick 15, 15 in, in around the first well, round. Well, he said he wants the D, so it will be interesting mm. to see. And Adelaide have said we don't care. So it'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out. Who plays more hardball? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're going to now start talking about speculative and likely trades that we think might happen throughout the week. And firstly, we're going to begin off with the kind of a walking headline at the moment. That's Jake Stringer, isn't he? His... Um, He's looking like Essen is the leading club at the moment, but with all his off-field problems, would you be willing to take him, Dylan? Yeah, um, I think he's... We talked about it yesterday, he's so young. And, you know, you sort of can't be focusing too much on the off-field stuff. Um, I think, you know, he's a player that can sort of win you a game off his own back. Uh, he's, you know, can get you... He can kick you 50-odd goals in a season that he's proven if he's uh, going well. And I think, you know, for a lot of clubs out there, he would really fit in well. Essendon are no certainty though yet. Um, yeah. I mean, they're definitely the front runners, but I think Geelong is still lurking. But yeah, certainly both clubs would, would be pretty keen. I mean, it's sort of, you talked about you've got to put the off-field stuff to the side deal, but I mean, it's kind of the reason he's been kicked out of the dog. So if, you know, if, if the off-field stuff sort of follows him to the next club, then it'll, it'll still be, it'll be an issue. But um, no, both clubs are certainly... Yeah, be keen. the thing is, he's 23 as well. You can't like, if it's continuing until he's like 30, I get you, but... Yeah, but We've seen a lot of players change. Yeah, but there's about 100 other 23-year-olds that have sorted their lives out. So Yeah, but this one's only big because he's such a good player as well. Yeah, true. That's why it's a headline. But Yeah, and so if you're Essendon, do you think you're going to play him in the forward line or are you going to play him a bit more through the middle, Billy? Look, it's a topic of contention. I think um, he's proven that uh, at this stage of his career, he, he plays his best football forward of centre. Um, kicking goals, being that X factor in the Ford 50. But uh, the way Essendon lost to Sydney in the final, they got absolutely bullied in the midfield and they uh, they do require that big body. Um, they've got lots of good young players going through the middle. Um, you know, Zach Merritt, uh, Darcy Parrish, um, McGrath will go in it next year, for example, but they need that bull type. And uh, he could provide that real physical presence uh, around stoppages. Um, so I see him rotating forward and midfield, um, stints in the middle, stints in the middle, and then putting him forward, X-factor, get it to him, see what he does, because um, he can change games for the good. He's, he's shown that consistently. Yeah, for sure. And now Essendon, um, he's not the only player linked with Essendon at the moment. They've also got Ahmed Saad. Who- Adam Saad. Adam Saad. Sorry, not Ahmed Saad. He's the other one, isn't he? Um, apologies. Um, so Adam Saad as well. So he's uh, looking towards Essendon as well. How do you, how likely do you think that one's going to happen? Up? Yeah, look, he's, oh, well, he obviously wants to get there. So it's just a matter of getting the deal done. And I mean, I'd say 90% it'll get done. Um, but yeah, I love that sort of, I love that move for Essendon. He, he, I mean, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. He is 
Essendon, he is the way they play. I mean, they're an exciting team to watch. They have some deficiencies um, in the midfield and, and, and as we've talked about. But, I mean, he is, he is how Essendon plays and he'll fit in perfectly. Yep, and so we're going to move on as well now to Daniel Menzel, the man who just can't get a break with his injuries. Um, Jimmy Bartell came out today and believe, said he believes that Geelong should re-sign him. Um, he's played 19 games this year and kicked 40 goals, which is a really impressive sort of uh, haul. But what do you think about this situation there, Dylan? Uh, look, with Menzel without injuries, without all the knee recos and all that, would be one of the best players in the league right now. Um, he already is a fantastic player. Um, you know, as... Bartel said, 19 games a season, 40 goals. You know, he's he's very good. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, look, he's got bags of talent, that's for sure. Um, I think this year, this year he he struggled this year, and I think um, obviously that was evidenced by getting dropped um, in the last game of the year. But um, he returned for finals, and he he looked a bit desperate and um, selfish towards that final season to me, and I think. Um, he sort of lost, lost, lost his grasp on team first football, and um, I know there was one uh, incident in the final against Adelaide where Selwood absolutely ripped his head off for not passing it inside the Ford fifty, and um, I, I, I think he could be on the outer. Uh, I think he could be a good pickup, um, but he's he's still got that that rawness to him. Um, I think he's. Got all the talent in the world, but I'm not sure if he can put together a consistent season at this stage of things. The way he's been spoken about as sort of trade bait and has sort of um, not having to... I mean, I think it's really harsh. I mean, uh, he's... Like, forget the fact that he missed four years. The, the, the footy that he has delivered is seriously, seriously good. I mean, if I'm Geelong, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm giving up Daniel Menzel unless it's a seriously good deal. I mean, I think he's, I think he's been um, spoken about far too harshly. I think he's a really huge commodity for any... For any side. Yeah, so this is one that I think will definitely be following into the start of next week. Um, there's, I think there will be a couple. There'll be Monday will be quite a busy day because there's so many deals I feel like that are just about kind of on the on the cusp of being done that are sort of just waiting for sort of you know finer points of negotiations and maybe some other deals to fall into place before they actually happen. Um, but and one of the things that actually is a big influence on players moving. And, and therefore clubs being able to have picks to go to other players for is um, free agents. And we're going to do a little bit of free agent analysis now. So for those of you who are a bit uninitiated, because it's a bit difficult to understand, there's three types of free agents, really. So there's restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents, and including unrestricted free agents, there's the rookie list players. So, and we, we thought we'd bring this up because at the moment, the only thing that's really stopping Rockcliffe and Hodge from moving is the Rockcliffe free agency stuff in comment from Connors, his manager. So Rockcliffe at the moment is an unrestricted free agent. No, restricted free agent, sorry. And so, Dylan, do you want to maybe take us through how a restricted free agency works? So restricted free agency, basically, um, if your player is in the top 25% of the club's uh, salary cap, so you're looking at like nine to 10 top played players, uh, once they first go out of the contract after about eight years out of the club, they're allowed to move to a club of their choice but the uh, the current club has to first uh, has the right to refusal or to match the offer. So we're looking like Motlop, Changove, uh, Rockcliffe. And then if that happens, and they have to facilitate a trade. But yep. on most occasions, I mean, with Rockcliffe, Changove, they, yeah. they, they I mean they probably won't match the deals. 
it's, it's been pretty rare that a team has matched a deal, and I doubt, I mean, Trengove wasn't matched. I doubt Rockcliffe will be matched. Yeah, Brisbane have already said they're probably not going to bother matching because it's not worth their time. And it'll be interesting to see with Motlop um, how Geelong play it. Now, the other two type of un- unrestricted agents are firstly, primary list, primary list unrestricted free agents. And Bill, do you want to take us through those ones? Uh, yeah, mate. Um, look, if they're dis- basically how it works is if they're de- delisted by a club, um, but not if they retire or self-delist. Um, if they've been in a club for eight or more years, but they're not in the 25% salary cap, e.g. Hodge, Menzel, um, they can facilitate a trade between clubs. Yep, and this one doesn't require compensation no. or anything like that. So you can just you can literally basically just walk out if you'd like to. Um, and in terms of the final type, there is also rookie list unrestricted agents. And Harp, have you got a bit of information for us on those ones? Yeah, so first year um, and not often... not offered or second year not accepting third year rookie contract is your unrestricted rookie listed free agent there's not I mean we won't, we won't see many cases of them but yeah that's yeah. the explanation yeah alright so thanks for that fellas so that's just going to help us go through a little bit into the rest into the rest of the trade period with how players are actually going to be moving and how compensation works and that kind of thing Adam Saad's manager feels like he's worth a first round draft pick so more players sort of Maybe just bargaining their worth a little bit. Maybe just trying to raise their stocks before we get into the trade period proper. But it's a we're going to debut a new segment of our show. Very exciting. It's called Club and Focus, where we go through each team starting at the bottom of the ladder today, Brisbane. And we're going to just talk about who they're going to get in the trade period, who we think they're going to lose, who their best 22 we think will be for the next year is, what they currently need, and who they'll target with their draft picks, and then some predictions for the club going into next year. So, Harp. We're going to begin with you. Who are Brisbane going to get in this period? Well, we know they'll get Hodge. We've spoken about that. Um, we know they'll get Cameron. Two huge um, two huge recruits for him. They might get Lobby. Uh, but, yeah, they've got some nice recruits coming in. And in terms of who they're going to lose, they're going to lose Rockliffe. We haven't heard about anyone else yet. But most importantly, Dylan, they're not going to lose their young talent, are they? They need their young talent. I mean, it's obvious. Like, they're the future of the club. Guys like, you know, Hipwood and that. You know, uh, you know they're going to lead Essendon. Um, they're going to lead the Lions. You know, to a fit, you know their finals campaigns in the coming years. They're starting to. We're starting to. I, th- I mean, I think Lions fans would be hoping that the um, the days of you know Yo Doherty, Pollock all leaving, young, their young players all leaving are over. Um, I've, you know, it seems like the last couple of years the young talent actually want to be there, want to stay. Well, I think as well. Like I think Fagan's a really good coach. I think you know he's you know leading. You know, a really talented squad, and you know they're going to eventually come to that point where you know they will be pushing finals. It may not be next year, but it will be you know in the coming years. So there's a lot to hope for there for Lions fans. I mean, they and like looking what their best twenty-two, uh, Harry. What would you reckon their best twenty-two would be so next put, year? So I've put my best twenty-two together, um, and from the back line, I've gone Nick Robinson. Uh, sorry, Nick Robertson. Harris Andrews, Alex Witherden. What, what a great first year Alex Witherden had. Um, Luke Hodge slots in nicely. Dan McStay, Daniel Rich has been good off the halfback with his left foot. Um, Sam Mays up to a wing. Couldn't find a spot in the back line for him, but um, still can still a huge contributor on the wing. Dane Zorko, what a player he's become. Um, but I think three-time best and fairest now. Jared Berry had a good first year. He's on the wing. Um, the half forwards are Mitch Robinson, best and fairest winner. He's um, exceeded everyone's expectations, I think, at Brisbane. Centre half forward is Eric Kipwood. Alan Christensen's a bit of a, a bit of a forgotten man, uh, missed the last year, but he's still a great player. Charlie Cameron will come in in the forward pocket. Josh Shackey, um, they need him to come along, but 
Um, number two draft pick and you know should deliver s- sooner rather than later. Lewis Taylor in the other pocket deserves his spot. Stefan Martin's become a super player. Um, Dane Beams is a class player. Reese Matheson slots into the midfield as well. And on the bench, Ryan Lester, really highly rated at the Lions. He's in the leadership group. Um, Hugh McCluggage gets a game, the number three draft pick from last year. Tom Cutler, really underrated player. Got a really good kick on him. Can find the ball from halfback. And in my last spot on the bench, I have the number one pick, which may be Luke Davies' Uniac, but we don't know. Don't like, no love for Ben Keyes or Bastinac? Uh, Ryan Bastinac coming from North. He's, I mean, he's he's a senior player and he's played a lot of good footy for um, the Lions, but I couldn't find a spot for him in the back line. Nick Robinson's, Robinson's really highly rated by Chris Fagan. He loves him. Alex Witherden had too good of a first year to leave him out. Um, Hodge and Rich were picked themselves. Um, ben Keyes... He's another really good player. Brisbane Academy um, came through, but couldn't find a spot for him in the midfield either. Tough on uh, Barrett. I thought he had a pretty good year. Jakey Barrett slotted in for... I, th- I don't think he played every game last year, but when he did play, he was really good. Um, couldn't find a spot for him on the wing or forward. Charlie Cameron comes in, takes that spot up. Alan Christensen's forgotten about. Um, we can't we can't forget. Um, and Mitch Robinson's in there as well with Lewis Taylor. I think I couldn't find a spot for him in the forward line. So, um, just Reese Matheson quickly as well in this one. Like... I love it. As Brisbane fan, I think Brisbane fans absolutely love him. His ability, he goes in for a hard ball and you know, always seems to be able to get tackles around the neck, always seems to be able to win the ball. But do you think he is better than a Ben Keys in the midfield or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I'm picking Reese Matheson in the midfield over him easily. He finds the ball. Um, he's super aggressive. The Lions love him. Um, I think he'll step up again next year. Potentially could be even a goal kicker. Um, but yeah, I love him in the midfield. Um, in their starting 22. Loves the celebration too, doesn't does, it? Yeah, it? does. Yeah, pay him just for the celebrations almost. <laughs> it's worth it. Um, so there's definitely a lot of young talent there and I think in the, in the next few years you're going to start seeing Brisbane really develop as a team. But what do they need now? What should they be targeting in the next, in this draft, you know, this trade period? Uh, the way I see it, especially after losing Rockliffe, they need some midfield depth. I mean, I think they would have already needed some midfield depth. But if we t- if I look at the players that have just missed out, Ben Keyes is a midfielder, Ryan Bassnett can go through the midfield. These aren't, I mean... They're good depth players, but I think they really... I mean, well, solid depth players, but I think they need some quality midfielders coming in. They might um, pick up Luke Davies-Uniak in the draft next year, I mean, in next in the next month. Um, I also think they need some outside run. I mean, I don't mind their ball winners. Dane Zorko and Dane Beams, obviously, speak for themselves, but I wouldn't mind seeing some, some extra midfield depth and just some outside run, especially coming off the back half. Yeah, for sure. Brisbane, um, the one thing that they have going, like I said before, is they have a really young team. And that also works against them, especially in their key position players. Because up forward, you know, you have Shaq, who has heaps of potential, but he was barely playing this year. I mean, you know, there's all that off-field stuff, which in no doubt affected a young player. And Hitwood can't be expected to do it all on his own, especially, as a, again, like we said, as a young player. And down back, it's a similar story with Harris Andrews and Dan McStay. They both need support for their development. And this is where I think Luke Hodge is going to be a huge, huge recruit for them. Um, so they had the chance to develop. Look, for me, I I agree, and I, I actually really like Brisbane's backline for the future. I think uh, Harris Andrews and Dan McStay have already had uh, two for Andrews, three for McStay, three years in the system playing on the best forwards in the comp. They play on the best forwards week by week. Um, and the one that I really, really like is uh, young Alex Witherden, Um I think he's going to be an all-Australian type player for the next 10, 15 years, however long his career goes for. could be a really long one. Um, and he uses the ball so well off that half-back half back line. His kicking efficiency was uh, at record stats for a first-year player. 
and um, he's just so composed for a young player. I think what there's no doubt about is that the Lions do have a really nice spine for the next 10 years. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. They just need to sort of top up in other areas, but I think their spine is, is set. Now, well, I want to ask you about this one, Billy, as well, is that Dan McStay, he, has, he came in with a lot of potential. He came in as a forward, didn't he? And then he's sort of been moved further back down the ground as he's coming to the um as he's as he's starting to develop. Um but do you think um do you think he's looking look do you think his best place is in the back line or do you think he should be still playing up forward? Oh no, I think he's established himself as a as a key key post in that in that back six. Um as I said, he's had a lot of bags of goals kicked on him. Um you know, he's played on the JJK's at yeah, at Subiaco, you can't really do much about that as a young team. Um, but he's established himself as a good player, and he shows plenty of potential. Uh, just quickly, I I want to make a big call here. I think I think what's holding them back to some extent. I think Daniel Rich has been one of the biggest letdowns in the AFL. I think when he burst onto the scene, obviously everyone thought he was going to be such an impressive player. Um, but for mine, he just he lacks energy, he lacks toughness, and um, he doesn't get the most out of his kick uh, kick forward. He's not as damaging as he could be. Um, and I think... Um, Do you think he's been played in the right position at Brisbane? Do you think since he's gone to the back six, he's actually being best utilised? Because he's now taking kick-ins, and you can understand why he takes kick-ins, because he has such a penetrating kick. But do you not think he'd be more... Do you not think he'd be more utilised through the middle as a bit more penetration going into their forwards? Because their young forwards do need the best service they can possibly get. Look... If uh, if young Alex Witherden really keeps going with his progression, uh, I think uh, that's something that they could look at um, switching Rich up to a wing, uh, or even in the in the guts, um, because Witherden is such a good ball user. But Brisbane have needed that good ball user coming out of the defence. The, the um, argument the argument against Rich sort of does annoy me a bit, because I mean you have to look at what what Daniel Rich is. You have to look at him for what he is. I mean when he came onto the scene as a n- number uh, number seven draft pick and won the Rising Star. Um, like we all thought he was going to be huge and rack up 30 touches every week but that's not what he is I mean he he is a damaging player he's an impact player he doesn't get handballs out the back and give another handball what he is is a damaging player and he might have 17 touches and you might look at the stats sheet and you think oh geez, Daniel Rich didn't do much today you know Beams had 30 he was far better but what Daniel Rich is is he is an impact player um, they, they love getting the ball in his hands he kicks it as, he kicks it 70 metres um, I think he's he's a huge player for Brisbane. He's he's a walk-up start. Um, easily one of the most important players. Look, look I agree. 100% he's an impact player, but he had more impact in his first two years than he has ever since. I think his last and two years I think his last two years have been a lot better. I mean, I, I I was frustrated with him as well during the middle part of his career so far, but I think his consistency has improved a lot more and just because he has games of sometimes he will have 25 and then he'll have 14 just because he does have those 14 games okay he's a little bit inconsistent with his ball winning but I think his impact has still been high especially over the last two years yeah and so we're going to also look now also at their first two draft picks moving forward so they have pick one and 12 and pick one is kind of you know whoever they have free choice don't they over whoever they want unless they seem like they want to give it away Dylan, they're going to look at a choice between Rayner, LDU, and Dow. Who do you, as as a, if you were Chris Fagan, who would you be picking? I think you got to look at Rayner. I mean, everyone's sort of going on about him. He's like got in that dusty mould. I think he's, you know, an extremely good player. LDU as well, and Dow, both country boys though. And that's Talking about Paddy Dow and Luke, da- Luke Davies Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're country boys, and you know, I think Haro, you were saying that 
a lot of the Brisbane um, picks from the past few years have been country boys. Well, it's, a clear, it's a clear strategy that, um, that Chris Fagan, David Noble and the, and the hierarchy up there are going with now. Country boys have to move anyway. So they feel, well, we're, better, we're more chance of keeping country boys than we are of Metro boys. Um, Rainer's rated by many as probably the best talent. Um, but Luke Davies-Uniak and Paddy Dow are not, not far behind. Um, and they're both country boys. So I think, I mean, I think they'll go with Luke Davies-Uniak. Unbelievable beast in the midfield. Um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, David Noble said, I think yesterday or even this morning, that it's it's a clear strategy that they do. I mean, if, it, if, it's, if it's a line ball between two boys, then where they come from does does is a factor, does come into it. Yeah, and actually, if you look at the Brisbane team now, um, you look at all their country players. This includes Matheson, Witherden, Taylor, Gardner, Shaki Skinner, Cox, Berry, and McCluggage. It's a long list, isn't it? It, it is. And obviously, you're right, Harp, there, there's a massive sort of... That's a massive tactic that Brisbane are using because uh, they don't want to go back to that problems that they were having before where they're taking kids out of, you know, metro teams who, like, if you take a kid out of Melbourne and make him play in Brisbane, and he's not, and Brisbane's not always been the best place to play footy, he can come back to Melbourne... He's going to earn probably more money. There's going to be more attention and there's going to be sort of more opportunities for him in Melbourne. Well, we've seen it as well. I mean, how many players do want to come home? We've seen it with Jake Lever. He wants to come home. Paddy Dangerfield last year, or year before, sorry, wanted to come home. Um, you know, it's one of those things Whereas, if you're coming from Vic Country, you're going to move anyway. Because if, if, if you are going to play, you know, in Melbourne, you're having to move. So, I mean, that's why Harry was sort of saying that's why, you know, Brisbane and other clubs as well that aren't based in Victoria will take clubs from the country if they're looking fix. And last year, I mean, they couldn't have made it any more obvious last year. Last year they drafted Hugh McCluggage, which was pick three, then Jared Berry, then Cedric Cox. They all came from the North Ballarat Rebels. Um, Jared Berry and Hugh McCluggage were best mates, so it's it's no secret. Yeah, and so when they come to their second pick as well, which will be pick 12, I know you boys do rate Hunter Clark very highly. Do we think that he'll be around for pick 12 for Brisbane to take? Yeah, possibly go f- could go for uh, another Vic boy from Dandenong. Um, look, two years ago, most cru- most recruiters would have probably said that a 16-year-old Hunter Clark was one of the leading candidates for the number one pick um, come his draft year. He probably isn't in the mix for that now. Uh, however, his, his second half of the season in particular has been, it's been great and uh, definitely elevated his stocks. Um, but... For mine, uh, watching Charlie Constable in the TAC Cup, he really, really impressed me. And I I actually think he fits in with Brisbane really well. Um, They've got a lot of small, medium-sized midfielders that can go forward in Zorko, Christensen, Beams, Robinson, and now Charlie Cameron. Um, But Constable's that big boy in midfield. He's 190 centimetres and 83 kilos already. So he's more of a Crips, Bontempelli size, which is just what the Lions need, I reckon. Um... The other thing is he's physically mature, um, so he'll be able to have that bigger impact in his first year and get more experience in his first year. Constable, oh, sorry, Constable will be around that mark, but yeah, again, he's a he's a Vic Metro boy, so I mean they might still take someone like that, but they might be looking. That's why we sort of thought they might be looking at a at a Hunter Clark Vic Country boy, even a Lockie mm. O'Brien, another Vic Country boy, um, who could also boost their midfield stocks. I want to chuck another name into the mix for you here, boys, and that's Connor Ballenden. He's a he's a. Uh, product of the Brisbane Academy, isn't he? And he um, d- excelled really well in the draft combine. Um, we discussed yesterday about the, you know, how practical the draft combine is going to be at picking a new player. But do you think do you think it's worth pursuing him? Uh, well, Ballenden's actually been a bit of a slider in the last 
um, few months. Good player though. Um, they'll be hoping they'll just be hoping that no one bids on him in the top twenty. Um, they'll be hoping to get him as cheap as possible. But when when he is bidded on, um, I'm sure Brisbane will match it and take him. Yeah. So that's a pretty comprehensive wrap on Brisbane. Um, and now looking at that, what do we think our predictions for the Lions going to 2018 will be, Dylan? Um, look, Baggs got a good culture. He's created something that you know the Lions has really based themselves off. Um, players look like they want to be there. They look like they want to play for Chris Fagan. Um, you know, they got to go a lot of good key position players forward and back. They're still young; they'll take time. Um, but you know, worst case scenario with them would be under four wins. You know, um, that would be you know disaster almost. They need to really push up that ladder. I don't think they'll make finals. Um, they could, but I just don't see it. But seriously, if they're looking any more than eight wins, eight or more would be perfect for them. Uh, seven wins, even you know, I reckon they'd take that. 100%. Seven would be probably more realistic, as long as that. I mean, if we're putting a number on it, sort of a prediction, seven wins, more competitive and excitement builds around the Gabbo. I mean, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. Just quickly, going back to the draft, um, you boys talk about how Fagan's created this great culture where the players want to be there. Surely, if you're a Brisbane recruiter, um, you, you can look past Vic Country, uh, Vic Metro. You can't just look past Vic Metro boys because the culture should be good enough to keep them in okay. the first place. Uh, of course, of course. But, I mean, we've... I mean, there's no doubt about that, Billy. But I mean, there's, the strategy's there. We can see it. We can see what they're doing, yeah. and, and they've told us what they're doing. Um, so it, it's definitely a factor. But if there's a player that it stands out that much, I'm, of course they're going to take them and hope that they can um, just make them fall in love with the place. Yeah, that's one thing that has like confused me a little bit about Brisbane. We like we know that their off-field facilities haven't been that great, and it hasn't always been a great place to play footy. But Brisbane's a nice place to live. It's nice and warm. You're out of the you're out of the full focus of the footy media because it's an NRL state. So in your head, it kind of actually sounds like a really nice place to go if you're a first-round draft pick, and you don't want to be like you know hurt in the same way that we saw Watts getting hurt, and then that's probably stunted his growth and it's stunted his development. So could could we potentially see Brisbane starting to become a bit of a destination club? in the future or do you think that's probably pushing it a bit too far uh, it's probably pushing it, pushing it a bit too far I mean Queensland is like Charlie Cameron um, may want to come but they might be pushing it a little bit far yeah fair enough and so um, we're going to look at also at their best and fairest uh, predictions early uh, Zorko and Beams obviously have dominated Mitch Robinson dominated the year before um, I really can't see that changing this year until you know in the next few years until we get a bit more development out of the younger players but anyone anyone have some names that might be sort of you know, looking to push in that. Ah, oh, Beams and Zorko would be hard to stop for next year. One of the, one of those two will win the BNF. Okay, yeah. And um, what can't happen? What can't happen in Brisbane next year? Um, look, no Beams, no Brisbane for mine. When Beams been when Beams has been out injured, they really struggle in the midfield. They get they get bullied in the middle by stronger, uh, more experienced teams. So I think Bris- uh, Brisbane finally need. Uh, 20 to 22 game season from Beams um, to really lead that midfield um, because I think that no one doubts that he's a great leader. He's a great, great player. Look at the way he polled in the Brownlow this year from limited games. Unbelievable. Um, so if he can stay on the park, uh, that would be uh, a massive step forward for it's, Brisbane. Yeah, it's exactly right, Billy. I mean, especially after losing um, Tom Rockliffe, they, they need the midfield that they have. They don't have a lot of midfield depth. So certainly if they lose Beams or even Rockliffe, uh, sorry, Beams or even Zorko, um, we might see Brisbane struggling. And uh, in terms of what needs to happen for Brisbane, well, it's pretty clear, really. That really the uh, Lions really need Shackett to come on and start sm- breaking packs, playing as a proper true full forward. 
Um, and then, you know, sort of those spills falling to Taylor and Cameron and, you know, sort of helping Kitwood out. Um, we're sort of running a little bit down on time here. So in terms of that, um, you know, they're probably three years away, I would say, from winning a premiership. But we're going to move on to the last little segment, which cool. is Think on Your Feet. Three years away from starting to contend about a premiership. We were, we're not, th- not three years away from winning a premiership. That's, 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 that's a, that's a huge call. Contending. Contending. That's, um, Contending right. But um, let's... Time all right, time to think on your feet, boys, because we haven't got much time left. So, f- f- uh, next deal to be done. Uh, well, Hodge to the Lions is a pretty obvious one. Um, the Lions will give him a pick. It will give Hawthorne a pick that they probably wouldn't have used anyway, and uh, Hawthorne probably won't use it anyway. So, Hodge to the Lions will be the next deal done for me. Yep. Dylan? I'm going to start to the Dons. Uh, I reckon I'll take... 28 that'd, yep. be che- that'd be cheap that'd be a steal that would be a steal it would be a very good result for Essendon and uh, Billy I actually think um, Callum Archie from Port's going to he's, he's Perth bound he's going to West Coast um, he's going to look for more opportunities I think he's a quality player but um, yeah he's going to get that opportunity at West Coast I think no worries and for me I think Matera to Fremantle leaving the Gold Coast don't really want to be playing Gold Coast footy at the moment and he gets met up with this highest mate Harley Bennell um, Stringer Watts or Ablett who wins who gives Dylan more value out of the three of out of the four of you well this is I mean I could I could easily make an argument for Stringer or Watts but if if I have Ablett next year and I'm coaching Geelong I mean is he gives us more chance of winning a flag than what Stringer or Watts does I mean Ablett's only give, going to give you two three years I get that but if they win a flag it doesn't matter I mean we'll, we'll if they get Jack Watts in, will that seriously increase their chances of winning a flag? I mean, I'm, I'd go Ablett out of those three. Yeah, and for you, Dill? Um, I'm going to go Jake Stringer, just because I reckon... I could see Watts. They're in the same sort of mould. I think Jake Stringer's got a little bit more of that X factor. He's the youngest out of all of them. Um, you know, a good year, as we said before. You get a bag of goals out of him. He's got to, you know, play mid, can play forward. And, you know, he can get, if he gets... Um, away from that off-field stuff, you know, he could be a really good pickup for uh, Geelong. And for you, Billy? Uh, for mine, it's pretty obvious. I think Geelong have lost uh, two pre- prelims on the trot. Um, they need the best player in the competition when he's up and running, uh, Gary Ablett Jr. Um, uh, he's just unbelievably good, and he has been for so long, and uh, I think it's obvious that they need Ablett. Yeah, and for me, I'm going to go a bit different. I'm going to go Watts. Um, Ablett, you know, you're only going to get a couple more years out of him tops. You're not going to get too much longer out of him. Stringer, I don't know. You know he's probably not going to even end up at Geelong. I don't think. I think he's going to go to Essendon. So, you know, I don't really... And also, I'm not really sure if Stringer really fits in that well at Geelong. So I'm going to go Watts because he's still got a couple of really good years of footy out of him. And I think when he plays at his best, he is definitely one of the better players in the competition. Um, you know, um, and he, I think he can really excel in Geelong away from him. I think he just needs a new start, really, because, you know, his career at Melbourne just never really took off in the way we were hoping it to. Um, and our third question is, you can have your Mel, yeah, your Essendon and you can have two out of Stringer, Smith or Saad. Who are you going to have? I'm going, I think Stringer's a shoe-in. I think um, on f- what, he, what, he can give, what he can give Essendon on field is... Um, who, who absolutely um, the potential for it is endless. So I think he's an absolute given. Um, and if I mean, if I'm rating these three in terms of talent, I think Saad would be third. But Essendon, the way they play, I, oh, I'd love to have Saad um, on my side if I'm Essendon. I think he fits into their. I, th- I think he fits into the way they play perfectly. So I'd have Stringer and Saad. I'd have Smith, Stringer and Saad. Yeah, I'm the exact same as Harry. I think Stringer, as I said before, he gives that X factor. 
While I think it'd be really beneficial to to Geelong, I think it'd be even better for the Dons. They're building a premiership side at the moment. Well, not a premiership side. They're building someone you know that's really going to contend in the next few years. And Stringer's almost that missing piece. Him and Danaher in the forward line would be great. And Saad, as Harris said, is quick. He's exciting. He's, he fits into exactly uh, the fits into the Essendon team perfectly. Devin Smith is an absolute freak, and I think people forget how good he actually is. Um, in his second year at the Giants, he was unbelievably good at winning the ball in midfield and playing forward. Um, he's so talented, and I think uh, for mine, he's the clear number one. Uh, look, Jake Stringer gets the nod over Saad just because of his X factor, just because of his potential being much higher. Um, but if I was going for the safety option, I'd go Saad, but I'd go for I'd go for Stringer over Saad for mine. Yeah, I'm going to agree with kind of half of you two on here. I'm going to go Stringer and Smith. Um, like Billy, I think Smith is a really underrated player and he's an absolute gun of a player and he's going to fit so well into that Essendon midfield, I feel. And in terms of Stringer, um, you know, you want exciting players, but you can't really have... I don't, I don't think you can only recruit exciting players. You know, you're going to have to kind of pick between Saad and Stringer. Stringer's just going to sort of, you know, fill that hole a little bit that's sort of formed. Not really formed, but sort of lacking in that Essendon forward line. And I think it'll be better for Stringer as well, just to get a move away from the Bulldogs at the moment. It's a fun game to play with. They'll probably land all three of them anyway, boys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's kind of pointless when, when they'll get all three anyway. Um, but that kind of wraps up our show for today unfortunately i know it's been it's been a really good time um unfortunately we couldn't get to all the listener questions in fact um we'll actually we'll do one just quickly i want to just uh, just a one word answer from out of all of you to keep our fans thank you very much for listening happy um who do we think north will get with pick four pick four could be anyone um adam chera has been a real draft bolt over the last over the last half a year now really um but potentially adam chera maybe paddy dow someone like that Yep, all right. Well, that wraps up the trade table for today. Thank you very much for listening on Sin 90.7 FM. Um, uh, you can find us on podcasts, online, on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere, really. We'll be posting updates throughout the weekend. And we'll be back on Monday at 3 for hopefully more AFL trade news. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to The Trade Table on Sin 90.7, the home of everything you need to know about the trade and free agency period, powered by AFL TRDON. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the trade table or follow us on Twitter at the trade table.